William Tanumajaya, welcome to Conversation With. Hi, Lynn. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. William, when is Turkopedia going to turn a profit? So it's a never really in our current focus because uh, today we are serving 78 million monthly active users, but Indonesia is like 260 million population. We are serving 4 million merchants that starting their business together with us, but Indonesia have 60 million SME. So we see that the, the room of uh, opportunity to grow is still uh, huge. And our focus is actually to continuously educate the market to continuously uh, stick to our mission, democratize commerce through technology. And we believe if you do so, the profit will come eventually. Okay, so in other words, you're saying that you won't give a date when you think that Tokopedia is going to be profitable. Yeah. Uh, but can you afford to just, you know, keep pushing this forward that it, I mean, it sounds more like a social enterprise than a business, William. So to be honest, then the company itself is already even if like we don't grow the market. We are not... Um, so you're breaking even already? Already, if like uh, we are not growing to the yes. next So uh, if, you, if you didn't, if you, if you stopped now, so to say, yes. you would actually be already at break-even point. Yes, exactly. Okay. When did that happen? In 2017 and 2018? Since a couple of years ago. So we already oh, since have a couple like, of years yes, ago um, already? We have a multiple revenue generated, generator stream, right? So from uh, the customer, then we have advertising uh, model. From the logistic, actually, we generate revenue. Um, so from a lot of like our business model, we actually already generate revenue. but. Profitable itself is not the current focus. We actually invest, continuously invest our revenue to grow the model. From a, from a sort of ordinary person's perspective though, why not then, you know, slow down on the growth and generate a profit? Would that not satisfy your, your investors more? Actually, I recently have a conversation with uh, Masai Shishon. He said, uh, and which I agree, that... From the, SoftBank. From SoftBank, yeah. yes. One of your big investors. Yes. yes. So if like, we see this uh, universe, any species actually survive through two things. Continuously reproduce uh, through reproduction. Our second part is actually evolve, evolution. And uh, through the business, we also see the company, a good company will continuously do what they do uh, best and do it better. It's a reproduction. But the best company is actually evolve. They continuously evolve to be something else, to become a greater ecosystem. So we aspire to be that kind of company that live for the next couple hundred years. This is being though pretty ambitious, William, because you're saying that you think you're going to be around for a couple of hundred years. Tokopedia will exist in a couple of hundred years. That's your That's your our idea. aspiration, yeah. Uh, a business traditionally is, you know, you make something, uh, you sell it, uh, you know, you have costs, but then you have a profit. Uh, that, that's the way of thinking. Well, yours sounds like a completely different animal. Uh, from traditional business models. Do you think that that's sustainable from uh, you know, a dollars and cents point of view? Again, it's a not uh, a social business, meaning that we actually generate revenue. And the revenue is growing very, very fast uh, over uh, uh, growing together with our business. And we just invest again that revenue to the business itself to evolve to some business model that we um, didn't provide in the past. So I'll give you an example. Um, when we start, we're just uh, providing a marketplace model, open marketplace model. Uh, you provide a platform where everyone can start their business and facilitate the transaction to the customer. But um, multiple years, many years ago, I tried to convince my father-in-law to use Tokopedia. But for him to buy a product from a stranger that he never met before, a product that he never see before, is a uh, something that too absurd. 
And that is a, actually a barrier of entry, right? And then I start to observe his daily life. And I realized that he actually, from time to time, go to ATM machine to pay for utility bills. In Indonesia, electricity or mobile recharge is actually a lot, it's a prepaid. So if you like, forget to pay your um, electricity bills, you, and, and it's like on the midnight, you need to find ATM machine to top up your uh, electricity bills. So with that kind of inspiration, we actually start to build a new business model that non-existence in Tokopedia. We start to actually uh, build any use case possible that we can think of. You can now pay mobile recharge, insurance, uh, electricity, anything uh, through Tokopedia. So now, a couple years ago when we, that happens, two years ago when that happens, I can actually pitch to my father-in-law, instead of going to ATM machine, now you have your ATM machine in your mobile phone. And that's his first interaction with Tokopedia, is actually to pay uh, bills. But because of that, the barrier of entry is removed. And now he actually starts to buy products from Tokopedia because that trust is already there. So if like, we think about Tokopedia today, having 78 million uh, monthly active users, if like, we want to aim the next 100 million customer, then we need to think about how we actually be able to remove that barrier of entry. And to think about that, uh, a lot of R&D need to be done, um, and that a new market need to be educated, and that's where the investment uh, is usually uh, be put in places. Alibaba has you know, recently put a great deal of money into Tokopedia. So the question is, is that how much say, though, does Alibaba have in your business now, in the day-to-day -day running? Or do they just give you the money and say, run with it, you know, do what you want with it? Yeah, I'm very privileged to, like, um, meet with all these investors that believe in the long term. So each of the investors own a minority stake in the company. They don't have a management seat in the company. So today, the company, the whole management team is actually uh, built by, by myself and the, the teams. So it's a very independent company. And it's good to have like a uh, couple of key big sellers, Alibaba, SoftBank, Sequoia Capital, that in this market actually invest or have a multiple portfolio that is actually competing against each other. Alibaba's also invested in Lazada, uh, which is based in Singapore. What if Alibaba came in and said, hey, I think it'd be a good idea if you merged with Lazada? What would you say? I never start the business. We never start the business um, with the goal to sell the company. So um, having said that, consolidation might happen in the future. But uh, we have the ambition if like, we, we want to run this market. So the difficulty, of course, is from the consumer point of view, um, whether or not actually, although there are all these various names, are all these businesses being run by just a couple of big venture capitalists? I say that... Um, They're the ones pulling yeah. the strings, <laughs> <laughs> pulling your strings yeah. as well. We actually run very independently. So um, uh, we always see Alibaba as an inspiration um, from uh, the day one of the company. How they actually, and the, the model is very the same, right? So supporting the small business and so on. And actually when they acquire um, Lazada in the market, um, I send the letter to all employees, to all, we, we call it Nakama. I told the teams that work until your idols become your rivals. And for that we take a pride. It's a, we work so hard until our idols become our rivals. And fast forward, two years after that, our rivals actually become our uh, teachers again. So now we actually uh, benefit from the Alibaba investment. From every month, we actually send our team uh, members 
to learn about the China market. And this time travel machine, what happens in China today doesn't happen yet in Indonesia. But we can pick certain model, certain customer behavior, and we know in the next two to three years, Indonesia customer might need this. So this kind of like learning is a very beneficial to us. Well, if you say idols become rivals, then do you think that Tokopedia will ever be bigger than Alibaba? So I think the uh, value proposition will be very different. Of course, our aspiration is like one day in the world stakes, we will see Amazon, Alibaba, and people no longer refer Tokopedia as Amazon of Indonesia or Alibaba of Indonesia, but people will refer Tokopedia as Tokopedia from Indonesia, and that global stakes being like, like uh, 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 equal. But William, do you intend to expand outside of Indonesia? Uh, maybe not today. So today we see that Indonesia market, we still have a lot of like underserved market. So we need to focus on Indonesia first to be the next generation of commerce, next generation of payment and the fintech solution, and next generation of the logistics. Once we really fulfill our mission to democratize commerce through technology in Indonesia market, that will be the moment that we'll start to think about uh, market expansion. And that, when we think about the market expansion, your first question is about profitability is very important. We will not expand to other market by really re rely on the investor uh, funding. We can only inf uh, invest on other market when our balance sheet is already um, allow us to do that. Wow, very interesting. So you're saying that Indonesia really is your home market, yes. and you make things good here before you go outside. Make good here, be profitable from this market, and then from that profit, we will invest to our globalization strategy. You're supposed to be, you know, the Amazon of Indonesia rather than just say Tokopedia. We keep referring to the Silicon Valley model. Is the Silicon Valley model actually good for e-commerce here in Asia? I believe there will be only one Silicon Valley, um, but this generation has benefit, witness, witnessing how Silicon Valley transformed the world by helping people's life to become much more convenient using technology, how technology unlocks so many opportunity and possibility. And in the past one decade, we start to hear that words. China is the next Silicon Valley, and then India is the next Silicon Valley, and then Indonesia, is it the next Silicon Valley, or is it the next China, or is it the next India, right? So, um, but we, we see how this uh, new wave of entrepreneur be inspired by the role model of the early day Silicon Valley, on how this homegrown entrepreneur that start from one person or two person, focus on solving the local market's uh, problem to become a global services. And we start to see this startup grow very fast to become a multi-billion dollar company. So I would say that uh, while Silicon Valley is only one, the mindset, the idea behind that being inspiration for the generation. And I would say this generation is the luckiest generation ever because in internet era, it's the era of underdog where everyone can challenge the status quo against all the odds, somehow survive and eventually win. Alibaba early days, they are underdog. When uh, eBay enters the market, eBay owns 97% and so on. But today, Alibaba is the homegrown champion. Tokopedia early days, we also compete with all the big giants that are both our way. But today, we still exist. We are uh, leading the market to become a homegrown champion. So I would say that this will continuously happen across the globe. One of the things I noticed when you're talking is, is that you say that a lot of it has to stem from solving local problems, solving local uh, you know, challenges or helping local businesses. 
Is that the way to think if, if you were to give a recommendation to a young entrepreneur? You know, mm -hmm. don't start thinking global. Still always try and solve something small before you go to the big. Depends where your uh, market is. If like your homegrown entrepreneur uh, in Singapore, for example, then the total addressable market might be too small. So since day one, you need to think about the global uh, market. But if like your market that have a benefit of a large population, China, India, US, uh, yeah, Indonesia, mm -hmm. then you have that benefit to really think how to uh, provide the best solution for your own uh, market. Um, I always have this one advice when I uh, start early. The biggest challenge is actually when <clears throat> uh, the, the, the trust issues that I mentioned, right? So the, the worst advice that I got when I started is actually this, uh, um, potential investors that say to me that William you are still young and you can only have your youth once in your life so don't waste your time your role model is all these Silicon Valley founder they are all born special you are not so stop daydreaming so that really saddened me because in Indonesia we don't have this concept of American dream we don't have Indonesian dream so that's why people always measure you from your track record not from your vision of the future I believe that past is something that we cannot change, but future is still in our own hand. So it saddened me because our founding father, Sukarno, our first president, is actually said, dream as high as the sky. Uh, uh, sky. If you fall, you'll fall amongst the stars. Bermimpilah setinggi langit, jika engkau jatuh, engkau akan jatuh di antara bintang-bintang. It saddened me where, um, in a, such a short time, as uh, today, we already encourage the youth to stop daydreaming. So if like, I can say anything to the young population, to the youth, I would say that uh, dream as high as possible, but dream with your eyes open. So how to dream with your eyes open is what you dream, what you think, what you say, and what you do need to be consistent. If you can do that, if you can dream, think, speak, and do consistently, there's a no dream that to be to achieve. I mean, we're sitting here in your absolutely beautiful, you know, tower here. It's called Tokopedia Tower. Uh, you have all of these employees. Uh, don't you think that it would lull you also even into feeling that you've arrived, that you've made it, you're now successful? That's our biggest fear, right? So our biggest fear is never about this competition of the big name. Our biggest fear is like if like we lose this underdog spirit because the uh, biggest challenge that we know is our, always ourselves. We see, we question from the history of time. Nokia used to own 80% market share, or eBay used to be, become the biggest uh, uh, e-commerce in the world. Uh, uh, but now, they are, they are no longer relevant to the customer. How fast this technology can grow from a startup to become a multi-billion dollar company, but how fast it is to turn an 80% market share company to become irrelevant. So that's why um, the one that can continuously evolve, uh, survive, is the one that not only reproduce, it's also the one that can evolve to become something else. And to evolve, you need to continuously have that underdog mentality. Who's your biggest critic? Who's the person who keeps you on the ground, William? You know, there's one who says, yeah, dream fantastically, but hey, keep your eyes open. Who's the one who tells you to keep your eyes open? Um, I would say myself. So. <laughs> Um, I continuously ask that to myself, right? So every day I continuously reflect what I do wrong today, what, I, what, what our failure instead of like what our success. 
we put that growth mindset as a key DNA in the company. And if like you want to leave your 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 words, there's a sincerity to share like a teacher, but humility and curiosity to learn like a student. Then you cannot continuously just be a teacher. You from time to time you need to have that humility. What I can learn today, what I can learn this week, what I can learn from this uh, incident or from this success. You said yourself you've come from very sort of humble origins. I mean. You learned what you know about coding and everything else at an internet cafe, but all the people who are coming into you now, the young graduates, these 25-year-olds, they have university degrees, and you are hiring people who come from you know these prestigious uh, you know, universities. Do you think you're sliding into that trap of going the conventional way, getting people who you know have computer science degrees or finance degrees? and maybe just don't have that kind of hunger that you had when you started. We believe in meritocracy. Uh, we don't really just judge the, uh, uh, the talents based on their um, uh, track record and uh, background. But uh, having said that, it's a being challenged. If like every month you actually receive like 100,000 applicants, and then your team will start to filter from these 100,000 who deserve better chance and that's come from their uh, degree, right? So actually, I haven't known the answer. I, this is the, the, the questions that I threw to our people department. If William Tanwijaya from 2009 applied to this company, I'm not sure that, uh, that William Tanwijaya will actually have the chance to actually even go to the interview process. And that's how we need to continuously uh, challenge ourselves. Exactly, that's right. So if you apply to your own company, if you apply to Tokopedia now, would you hire yourself? I would, but uh, the, the question is like, will, will that William even like go through that process? Like, so that, that, that is not easy. When you run a company with like uh, more than thousands of people, you cannot run it just by the gut feeling. You start, need to start with, with a system and a process, right? And then you need to continuously challenge that system and process. You've talked about the worst advice you were given. What's the, what's the best advice you were given? Um, I would say the best advice is... I have a lot of good advice actually from time to time. <laughs> but then from uh, recent uh, discussion with Master uh, Shishon, he's actually saying one thing that also struck, to, struck with me. It's actually to limit yourself to become limitless. Limit yourself to become limitless. I don't think I understand that. Yeah. So he's uh, mentioning how he actually invests to uh, this uh, big uh, uh, family, a group. Right? When he invests in Tokopedia, for example, he doesn't control the company. He limits himself. But then he partners with uh, this uh, local champion that eventually he is also like indirectly uh, uh, winning the market. So I find that limit yourself to become limitless is a very fascinating. It's a, the same philosophy if like you continuously invest on this and convince this young talent and give them the opportunity. Hey, Tokopedia one day will not uh, be the CEO, will not always be uh, William Tanwijaya. You can actually be the CEO of this company. We want to be a more than 100 years uh, company. William Tanamujaya, thank you very much for being in conversation with. Always a very uh, stimulating talk with you. <laughs> thank you for having me, Lynn. Pleasure to be here.